It's so good to be back with you today. I'm so glad to be out of the hospital. It's never fun in that place. I just want to say thank you for all the prayers, the phone calls, the texts that I received throughout the week. It means a lot knowing that you have people around you that care about you. Have you ever had moments in your life where you were on the wrong end of, I told you so? Those moments when you failed to listen to someone else's advice and it didn't work out so well in the end. All of a sudden, all the spouses are looking at each other and making this funny face. I wish you could see it from up here. So last week, I had one of those moments. And to be honest with you, I don't know if I will quit hearing about it anytime soon. After several days of stomach pain and several days of ignoring my wife's advice, who, by the way, is a nurse, <laughs> um, I was put in the hospital to suffer the consequences of my choice to do my own thing. I had a small opening in my colon, which led to a, an infection, some pretty bad stomach pain, and an extended stay in the hospital. Because I didn't take care of this small problem when I should have, it led to an even bigger problem. And you know, in many ways, this sums up the struggle with the people of Israel and with sin. From reading the story, we've seen time and time again that the people of Israel, they, they failed to deal with their sin problem. And this, this ultimately led to devastating consequences. Last week, we learned about Joshua. And we learned about how the people of Israel experienced success because they were obedient to the Lord. Because they meditated on God's word and, and they had the courage to follow through with God's commands. They were able to enter into the promised land. And in the time under Joshua's leadership, they were able to defeat many nations. They experienced tremendous success. But after Joshua's death, there still remained areas that needed to be conquered. And this would usher in a new era in the history of Israel. So that's where we're at today. Let's see what happened. Today we'll be in the book of Judges. Judges 2.10 says this, After that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who neither knew the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Let me pause there. So the entire generation of Joshua and Caleb had died. The people that had been faithful to the Lord were no longer around. That generation failed to invest and instill their faith in the next generation. And we learned that the upcoming generation didn't know and didn't serve the Lord. And after a period of time, the people grew further and further from God. In verse 11, we see, Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and they served the Baals. They forsook the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who had brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshipped various gods of the peoples around them. They aroused the Lord's anger because they forsook him and served Baal and the Ashtoreths, which were these false deities, these false gods. So we see what happened when the people of Israel, they distanced themselves from God. They began to look less like the people of God 
and more like the people around them. And it says they were even seen as evil in the eyes of the Lord. They began to, to mingle. They began to cohabitate. They even began to marry into the same people groups that the Lord had instructed them to drive out of the land. And so you see, these, these small sins, these small issues, these small problems, as they went unchecked, it led to a larger sin problem. And as they blended into their surroundings, they became tolerant of the worship of other gods. The people of God became tolerant. And this tolerance would eventually lead to them practicing in the worship themselves. But the one true God would not allow this to go on. He would not stand by and have his people worship other gods. So we see in verse 14, in his anger against Israel, the Lord gave them into the hands of raiders who plundered them. He sold them into the hands of their enemies all around whom they were no longer able to resist. Whenever Israel went out to fight, the hand of the Lord was against them to defeat them. Just as he had sworn to them, they were in great distress. So you see, since the people didn't honor God, he removed his, his hand of protection from them. This, this mighty hand that had been with him, with them the entire time, that had guided them and had protected them during the time of Joshua and Caleb, the, the same hand that gave them success through many battles would now be removed. And not only were they not able to keep going and advance and gain ground and conquer nations, but God allowed them to be invaded by the surrounding nations and plundered by their enemies. So what once was this great military offense became a very weak defense. And it says the people were in great distress. But we know something about God, don't we? He's merciful and loving. And he would not allow this distress to go on forever. Out of love and out of grace, God would provide deliverance. And in verse 16 it says, Then the Lord raised up judges who saved them out of the hands of these raiders. So the Lord would raise up judges to save the people. And when we hear the word judges, we think about a, a judge in a courtroom setting. But here the word more accurately refers to a leader, a deliverer, or a, or a savior. A person or a, or a group of people that God would select to save the people and free the nation of Israel. And overall, God would raise up 12 judges, 12 individuals to be these, these saviors or these judges and some of them are well known. You may have, have read about them and studied about them and learned about them through Sunday school when you were younger. Gideon was one of those well-known people. I have, a, I have a son named Gideon. He was the smallest person from the smallest tribe. But God would use him to be a warrior leader. And in fact, the name Gideon means mighty warrior. Gideon destroyed all the false idols, not only in his home, but in all of Israel. And led a group of 300 men to defeat 135,000 Midianites. Probably the most well-known judge was a guy named Samson. Samson was chosen by God before he was born. And remember, God gave Samson this incredible supernatural strength. He killed a lion with his bare hands. 
he killed a thousand Philistines with just this jawbone of a donkey. And then at the end of Samson's life, you remember, he killed thousands of Philistines by pushing down the columns and caused this building to collapse. And all of the other judges that we've read about are not as well known, but each of them did amazing things. And each of them were able to deliver their people from their enemies. But there was a problem, though. While the judges provided peace and freedom for a while, when, when a particular judge died, the people went right back to their old ways. They quickly went to living lives that were not honoring God. And in verse 17, it says this, Yet they would not listen to their judges, but they prostituted themselves to other gods and worshipped them. They quickly turned from the ways of their ancestors who had been obedient to the Lord's commands. Whenever the Lord raised up a judge for them, he was with them and saved them out of the hands of their enemies as long as the judge lived. For the Lord relented because of their groaning under those who oppressed and afflicted them. But listen, when the judge died, the people returned to ways even more corrupt than those of their ancestors. Following other gods and serving and worshiping them, they refused to give up their evil practice and stubborn ways. So we see despite the courageous acts of each of these judges, the people failed to keep the momentum. They failed to pass on their, their faith. They failed to invest in the next generation. And the result was devastating. W without a strong foundation of faith, the people of God started acting like the people around them. And it didn't take a long time either. The text says that they quickly turned to the ways of their ancestors. And what's even more disappointing is it says that the, that the people's ways were more corrupt. More corrupt than the ways of their ancestors. Which means this, that with each passing generation, the generation coming up would be worse than the previous. And this pretty much sums up the book of Judges. Over and over again, this same cycle is repeated. The people would turn from God... God would bring about judgment. The people would cry out for help. And in God's goodness and grace, he would send a Savior to free them. And this would happen over and over again. It's a great book, right? Judges is one of my favorite books. But to be honest with you, it's difficult to read. As I was preparing for this, it's difficult to think about. To know that the people had this tremendous opportunity to live in God's blessings to be successful in life. Think about this, to know that their children, their grandchildren, their great-grandchildren could have had successful and blessed lives. And I want you to notice something. The book of Judges ends like this. This is the last verse in the last chapter, Judges 21-25. In those days, Israel had no king, and everyone did as they saw fit. What a sad ending. When we think about the book of Judges, we think about all those great stories that we heard about of our heroes. But a more accurate description of this book can be characterized as the period of time when Israel rejected God and they did whatever they wanted. That's what the book of Judges is about. You know, ironically, this sounds a lot like our time today. Respect for God is is diminishing and we the people determine 
what we do and how we live our lives. We want to choose what's best for us, don't we? We want to choose how we live today in order to get the type of life we want in the future. If we're not careful, we can end up just like the people of Israel. Our generation, this generation right now, and future generations are in danger of forgetting about God. It seems that as time goes by, there's a growing distance between God and the very people who say they believe in God and they want to follow the Lord. So in order to to prevent this gap from growing, we have to do something about it. And you know what? We have to do it right now. For us to stop this trend from falling away from God, we have to do this. We must be intentional about reaching the next generation or risk losing them to the world. We must be intentional about reaching the next generation or risk losing them to the world. If we want our faith in the Lord to carry on, we must be intentional about passing along the greatness and the goodness of God. If we want our children, if we want our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren to know about the saving grace of God through the Lord Jesus, we must be intentional about reaching them Hey, we are, we are mistaken if we think this will take care of itself. If it didn't work out for the people of Israel, what makes you think it'll work out for us? We say things like, well, these kids are good. They're good kids. They'll be okay. Or we say things like they have a good head on their shoulders. Eventually, they'll come around, you know? Or we hope that somebody else will invest in the kids like a Sunday school teacher or a pastor. And these things are good, but they're not good enough. Honestly, these are ways for us to try to rationalize what God has called us to do. These things that we do or don't do are really more about us and our comfort rather than about us being obedient to the Lord. We must be intentional about reaching the next generation or risk losing them to the world. If we don't be intentional about this, we almost certainly guarantee their fate. The gap in the relationship between God and people will grow further and further apart. I'll tell you this, the possibility that future generations will go up, grow up living lives that do not honor God is real. The possibility that future generations will not even know about God is real. There's a real possibility that one day soon you will not be able to tell the difference between the people of God and the people of this world. And there's a real possibility that one day, one day, God will lift his hand of protection. Because just like the people of Israel, everyone will do as they see fit. And we don't want that to happen. We want to do something about it. And as a church, we believe God has given us this vision. We are creating churches that sacrifice to reach the next generation. So as a church, we are going to be intentional about reaching the next generation in everything that we do. And we've noticed the problem. And we believe God's called us, Community Heights Church, to do something about it. And so here's some things that you can do. First of all, get on board with our vision. 
get on board with the, with the vision of Community Heights Church. As I said, we believe God's given us this vision. And you can help out by simply getting on board with us. Be positive about this. Be positive about our vision. Get excited. Tell others that we have a great church because investing in the next generation is what God has called us to do. Next, you can sacrifice your time and your, your comforts to serve here at the church. There's plenty of opportunities for everyone to play a part and serve. You can help by leading or mentoring others in the church. Offer people encouragement and advice. Or simply just make yourself available. Use those life experiences that God has brought you through to help the next generation that are facing the same experiences. You can also help by giving faithfully and generously. And we currently have programs that are focused on reaching the next generation. And in the future, we hope to offer more. And your giving can help accomplish that. So get on board with our vision. Next, you can invest in your family. That sounds obvious, doesn't it? But remember, the whole point is being intentional. Invest in your family. Be intentional about investing in your family. Don't sit back and wait for somebody else to do it. Talk to them. Talk to your family about your faith. Read the Bible with them. Pray with them. Let them see you praying. Teach them how to pray. Make God the most important thing in your family. Not your kids' sports. Not your job. Not your family vacation time. But God. Make God the most important thing in your family. Your children need to know that God is that important to you. Proverbs 22.6 says, start, off, start children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. So you must be intentional about investing in your family. Those values and the beliefs that you instill in them right now will carry over into the next generation. But you must also be willing to invest in others. Invest in others. Hey, here's a newsflash for you. Not everyone is a born-again believer. While it's true that we have a calling to invest in our own family, we must also be intentional about investing in others as well. Think about this. Other people have families. Other people have children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. Think about the difference that you can make by investing in a young mother or father. Think about the impact that you could have on their children. If you're intentional about investing in others, you could have a tremendous impact for generations to come. You know, next week is Easter, as Brian mentioned, and, and one way to invest in others is by taking the time to invite them out to the service next week, invite them out to church. People will be more willing to come this week than any other week throughout the entire year. You need to know that. But you have to ask, right? You have to be intentional about that. You have to invest and invite. Folks, listen. We have a great opportunity right now to play a part in ensuring godly success for future generations. We have an opportunity not only to stop the gap between people and God from growing, but we have an opportunity to take that gap and make it smaller. Let's 
let's work together. Let's be intentional about reaching the next generation with the love of God through Jesus Christ. You know, despite what you may think, we are much better off than the people in the book of Judges. These people were rescued by a Savior, and they experienced peace. But each time their Savior died, they fell back into oppression, didn't they? We are much better off because we have a Savior that was, that was nailed to a cross and died. But that wasn't the end of our Savior's rule. Three days later, our Savior would come back to life. And he would rise up to live forevermore. We are better off because we have a Savior that conquered death and provides everlasting peace. Imagine what it would look like if generation after generation, people became fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Imagine what it would look like if future generations did not want any part of this world, that didn't want to look like the world around them, but instead wanted to be the people of God. Imagine what it would look like if people walked with the Lord in newness of life. Make it a point to come out next Sunday. Invest and invite others. And we, we will hear an inspiring message about a new life found in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you so much for your, your grace, Lord, that we, we just don't deserve. And Lord, as we read through the book of Judges, we see your grace on display time and time again. We see the consequences of making bad choices. We see the consequences of not investing and passing on our faith to the next generation. May we be a people that stands up now that stops this gap from growing because we see it in our world today. We see a falling away from you. And Lord, we believe that you've called our church to do something about it. We believe that you've called us to sacrifice to reach the next generation. And so, Father, may we be intentional about doing that. May we be intentional about investing in our own families, in our own homes by by putting you first in our life, by making God, by making you the most important things, the most important thing in our life. May we do that by investing in our family. May we do that by investing in others. May we be intentional about sharing our faith, sharing our life experiences with others. And Father, we thank you so much for being the great Savior that you are, the peace that you provide, the grace that you provide and the new life that you provide in Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray today that your spirit would touch those hearts that are far from you and bring them close to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.